for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. A little bit of a, a different format we're testing over here, I mean this is... It's a little bit more than a test. We're pretty dead set on it. But the move going forward is, as we're recording this at 9.07 on Tuesday, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to record on Tuesdays and Thursdays and put out four episodes a week, ideally. But these podcasts will no longer be live streamed. Engage 8 is the live stream portion of the podcast. Um, a lot of it's just because, you know, ease quality of life things because we were just i mean two hours on a lenovo laptop trying to stream it technical difficulties are bound to happen so in eight minutes you can cut those down makes makes all of our lives easier so we're going to record these and then put them out on the youtube and spotify apple Podcasts. you'll be able to listen to it all in the normal ways you just won't be able to comment and listen live but feels good to be trying something new man yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, we're going to try this out. We're going to see how this is going to go. We're going to also have um, some Instagram live segments uh, on Sundays right before kickoff to go over, uh, you know, any last minute starts and sits. We're going to go over uh, best bets for the week, things of that nature. So if you're you know, looking for some help on Sundays right before kickoff to set your lineups or to put a last minute bet in, you know, definitely tune in. We'll be answering questions too. Um, and, you know, if you have any tips of advice you know let us let us know but uh, other than that you know another crazy weekend man and there's definitely some issues with some teams some notable teams as well that you know, have got to clear these issues up or they're gonna be you know missing out on the playoffs come uh, come january so um can't wait to dive in it into it with you i'm gonna go ahead and just say right now the minnesota vikings are five and one and i am grinning cheek to cheek right now it is uh it's a great time to be a vikings fan um, but yeah, I know I'll pass it over to you and, uh, we'll dive into some stuff. Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. Uh, as far as, I mean, I guess I'll do my little team tidbit. Carson Wentz is out four to six weeks. Uh, we talked about it on Gage eight. Stinks. Uh, Taylor Heineke is not Carson Wentz. I mean, the decision making is the only thing. Like he's a better decision maker sometimes and doesn't make it look as bad, but People are calling for Hal and like Heineke. That's what I was gonna say. Heineke's been if, yeah. It, go ahead. It, I was gonna say if if you're in like a two quarterback league, I would start to look into Sam Howell because I think that after week like twelve or thirteen, if Washington's out of it, maybe that's a little bit too soon. But definitely the last four to five weeks, if you need a, a, a second quarterback to uh, you know propel you in the fantasy playoffs in a two quarterback league, I'd I'd look to Sam Howell. Yeah, I mean, I can't hate on that. I It's just we paid Taylor a lot of money this offseason to be our backup. And one of the – and the idea behind that contract was that he was one of the safest backups, one of the best backups in the league. Um, then we draft Hal, and I feel like if Hal had a realistic chance to play, he, was already, he would have already beaten out a Taylor Heineke, like, in the preseason. 
five weeks into the season now, six weeks into the season, like it's, I would expect that Powell would have already beaten him out. So if he hasn't done it already, I understandable. Think Heineke sticks around, but it's definitely something to watch for sure. Because if we are out of it, it do, it doesn't matter who's better. Like I mean, Powell should get some playing time, but is right because. And, and and the reason being is because you want to see what you've got with him. You know, it. You know what you already have with Heineke. You know, you've seen it over the past year and a half or so. Um, but you don't know what you've got with Hal right now. I mean, we saw it in the preseason, but other than that, we haven't seen him. So you might as well see. Maybe there is a future there. You know, you spend a, a late round draft pick on him. Why not see what the guy's got? And um, we've seen late round quarterbacks do well in this league too. I mean, Bailey Zappi, I think, was a, a fourth round pick or so, and that's a conversation that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, these are Kirk guys Cousins, that were taken. Yeah. Russell Wilson, um, these are guys taken after day one um, that have done really well in this league. Geno Smith, for example. But but yeah, it's it's dismal in Washington right now, but. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the draft now, which you hate to say, but it's it is what it is. Welcome to being a Commanders fan. So, all right, let's dive in. Um, so, well, this will be an hour-long episode, and then we are putting out our power rankings episode as well. But we're going to be focusing specifically on some fantasy-related stuff today. Um, it's dude. I I was looking into some stuff earlier, man. So far, fantasy football, histor- like in comparison to history, has been terrible, dude. The first six weeks. You're, yeah, go ahead. I was I was just gonna say you're you're getting guys like randomly getting touchdowns um, every week, which is completely driving the fantasy numbers down. I mean, you know, you're getting like back like handcuffs get the touchdowns or fourth string wide receivers or guys that like, you know is your wide receiver. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, you, you've got a bunch of other players, I think, this year than we've seen in previous years. Because previous years, it's been like you're, you've got your two to three guys on every team that you can pretty much guarantee you're going to get a touchdown. And now you're looking at like double that, like five or six guys per team that are scoring touchdowns. So it's a lot more spread out. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that just has to do probably with a more offensive league that we have now. You're putting the ball in the hands of more guys. You know, so I mean, I guess that's bound to happen. But yeah, I dove into some of the numbers, dude. First six weeks of fantasy scoring so far are the lowest during the first six weeks in NFL football in the last 13 years. Well, I think I brought up a stat the other day uh, or last episode. I think it was after it was after week five. I'm pretty sure Saquon had the most points from a fantasy running back at 193. The the next least in the last 20 years or since the turn of the decade, since 2000, was 212. So it was like 20 points behind where the the, the leader was in previous years. So, And, and that was the, the lowest leader of any other year. So that gives you a little comparison, like we said, as far as like spreading the wealth. Yeah. I mean, it's down 22% overall from last year. And we're down this, – this is the one that absolutely blows me away. We're down 110 touchdowns in comparison – to this point last year, six weeks through the season, there was 110 more touchdowns scored last year than right now. That's mind blowing, dude. Like, it's wild. Yeah, but it's it's a different kind of funny fantasy year so far this year. But we'll do our best to guide you through the madness, and to best do that, 
we will start off with our studs and duds segment, breaking down some of the guys that did really well this week, ended up being a stud for your fantasy teams, and dudes that kind of laid a goose egg and ended up being a dud, and we'll kind of break down what you should do with some of these guys for the rest of the season. So, without further ado, let's dive into studs and duds. So, first stud of the week is Mr. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow himself. He scored 33 points against the Saints. Um, Joe Burrow hasn't been that great so far this year in fantasy. Can you lock him in as a top eight quarterback going forward now? Right now, I would, and the reason being is because of you've got the buys coming up. So you're if you've got him, you're going to need to play him because there's not much that's going to be on the waiver wire. Like, for instance, this week, um, uh, Josh, Josh Allen's on a buy. So if you were to have Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, I don't know how you'd have them. But if you were to have them, I would absolutely be this. This is the week why you held on to Joe Burrows to be able to play him this week. Um, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, in an eight man league. I don't know if you're you're going to have him in your top eight once we get past the buys. But um, I mean, he's going to be a very viable fantasy quarterback. You know, he'll have the weeks like he had this week. And then he'll have the weeks where he has like 17, 18 points. But um, I, I think you can definitely count on double digits every week. And yeah, you know, he, he kind of showed back and he has something in that stadium, you know, from, mm-hmm. from what happened in the national championship when he was at LSU and now this game as well. And obviously the connection with Jamar chase was on full display this past weekend. Um, but yeah, you know, Joe Burrow is, he was drafted mm-hmm. number one overall and he's in my opinion, you know, other than the year he got hurt, he's played like a number one overall pick. So um, no complaints right now. If, for me, if I was a Joe Burrow owner. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. You have that offensive line clicking now like it wasn't at the beginning of the year. Um, Joe At Joey B, we saw some rushing from him on Sunday, which is not very often that we see that from Joe Burrow, but he had a rushing touchdown in like over like 30 yards. Back-to-back weeks. Yeah, so if he can become more of a rushing threat, and he is athletic enough to be – Somewhat, like, not, like, obviously, a Kyler or any guys like that, but, like, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, like, Trevor Lawrence, the kind of mobility. Sure, I could see it. Probably not as good. But if he could start to get those rushing touchdowns, that'd be nice. But I wouldn't rely on Joe B. But with the offensive line looking a lot better, I do feel really confident in Joe Burrow going forward. So, all right, next guy on the studs list is the only quarterback left on the list, and that is Matt Ryan who scored 27 points this week. He threw, pretty sure he threw over 60 passes in that one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think he, I, it, it was right around 60 or maybe it was 57. I can't remember, but it was, yeah, it was a bunch of attempts that he had in that game. And once again, you know, if you're looking, if you're a Josh Allen owner, I am, and you're looking for a quarterback this week, Matt Ryan is absolutely a quarterback to target. He's going up against a, a Titans defense that's, you know, solid, but not not anything to write home about. I think they're giving up the fifth most points to quarterbacks this season thus far. Um, so, and, and they don't have, in my opinion, a very scary uh, front four that that's going to you know com- completely overwhelm him and and going to sack him all day and be in his face all day. So, I think Matt Ryan could have a, a very decent game, and it shows once he got Michael Pittman back, his statistics also went up. So, um, with Pittman back and healthy and Looks like he's got a re- he's built up a nice connection with the rookie Alec Pierce out of uh, Cincinnati, um, and it looks like Jonathan Taylor is probably going to be back as well here soon, maybe this week. So if that happens, gotta imagine the opportunities are going to be there for Ryan to do really well. 
See, I agree with most of what you said, except for when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. Because how often are we going to see a game where Matt Ryan, who's one of the older quarterbacks in the league now, throws for almost 60 passes on a team where you have a Jonathan Taylor? You know, like, I don't think that's going to happen. And he had to throw almost 60 passes to get to that 27 points. So how often is that going to happen? Now, I'll say this. Some of it does have to do with game flow, absolutely. Um, Some of it also has to do with, you know, having Jonathan Taylor, you're going to be able to still pass the ball to your running back, which is very, very key for him. I don't think he's going to put up, you know, 27, 28 points in in every week. But I think that if you're looking for a bye quarterback to get you 17, 18, something like that, I think this week, absolutely, I'd I'd look to Matt Ryan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't disagree with that. I like that. And and if you're not going to go with him, another quarterback I would throw out there as a possible waiver wire ad is Marcus Mariota. Mm. Um, You know, he has, I think this is like three or four straight weeks, he's had pretty, uh, back-to-back weeks, excuse me, he's had a pretty good game. the other thing to keep in mind is his rushing ability. You know, you're going to get some of those points in the rush running game as well. And if he finally found uh, Kyle Pitts this week in the end zone for his first touchdown on American soil. Um, so having him and, and if they can get Drake but London back healthy as well, those two guys, those two targets are definitely something that you can utilize. Cordero Patterson will be back probably in about two or three weeks as well. Um, something else that he can utilize out of the backfield. So, yeah, if you're looking for a, a quarterback in the waiver wire, I would look to Mariota and I'd probably look to Matt Ryan this week. Yeah, I mean, people are quick to forget that Mariota was neck and neck with Jameis that year, and he won the Heisman over Jameis. Like, that's what a lot of people forget. You know, Jameis is the big highlight guy from that class that we all like to think about, but Mariota was drafted right behind him, and he kind of gets tossed by the wayside. Uh, But he's definitely a talented quarterback for sure. All right. Let's move on to the running back position. Uh, Not too much to talk about here because one, Jonathan Taylor is coming back. But if anything, it tells you how effective Jonathan Taylor is going to be when he comes back fully healthy. Uh, Deion Jackson, the practice squad running back for the Colts, he put up 28 points this week. So I'm not going to pick up a Deion Jackson unless you anticipate Jonathan Taylor getting hurt again. But the only thing that I can take from that is that JT is going to have a nice rest of the year. Yeah, the only and the other thing to keep in mind also is Naeem Hines was out in this game as well. Um, so it, the opportunities were plentiful for Deion Jackson. The only person he had to compete with was your favorite running back, Philip Lindsay. Um, but you know, he, he took advantage of the opportunity and, and that's what you have to do. And that's sometimes what fantasy is about. It seems like this year in particular is where's the opportunity for a week or two weeks and, and let's let's throw a guy in there. Josh Reynolds is a great example of a guy that, you know, no DJ Chark, no Amon Ross St. Brown. Back-to-back weeks, he had 15-plus points when those two were out. And that's the type of opportunities that you have to look for and you have to capitalize on in fantasy, especially this year where, like we've talked about, the points are, are – they're, they're not at a pre- – you know, they're not they're not there for the taking. It's few and far between, it seems like, in fantasy this year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next running back that we got on the docket for studs is Ramondre Stevenson. Coming out and putting out 25 points, stepping in for Damian Harris as he's out now for a significant amount of time, if not the rest of the year. So I like Ramondre a lot, dude. I think probably top 15 running back going forward. I mean, I've liked him a lot since coming out of Oklahoma. He runs angry. I'm a fan, dude. I feel good about Ramondre going forward. 
Yeah, no, I absolutely love Ramondre. And the other thing is that he's the three down back. So if, um, if, if Damian Harris is out, you know, again, next week or so on and so forth, if it's out any other point this season, you're getting the catches as well. And he's, like I said, he's a three down back. Um, and like you said, he runs mean. Uh, I've, I've always been a fan with, of his. I've always thought he was the better running back between the two. I think he fumbled his first ever snap and it seems like he's been in Belichick's doghouse ever since then. Um, until now when Belichick's been forced to go to him. But even when Damian Harris comes back, I agree. I still think he's a top 15 running back the rest of the year. I don't think that you've got much to worry about with Ramondre and getting the touches and getting the opportunities. Yeah, I mean, the only thing with, the only thing that made Damian Harris effective was a lot, last year was the amount of carries that he got, you know? And goal line. Yeah, goal line work for sure because he had double-digit touchdowns. But, I mean, Ramondre is just an overall better player. He's better between the tackles. He can catch passes. Ramondre season is here, and it's here to stay. So, all right, let's move on to the next guy, and that is Austin Eckler. Puts up 24 points. Don't really have to talk about that too much other than he is back. You mentioned it last week. Yeah, I mean, we've been we, – we've been – you know, hitting this nail on the head for the last three weeks after he blew up against Houston. Um, and he's had, you know, some really good matchups early on in the season and he wasn't able to take advantage of them the first four weeks um, or excuse me, the first three weeks, you know, he, he was good. I'm looking at his stats now, uh, 11 points, 18 points and 13 points, but the last three weeks, 34, 35 and mm. 24. Um, so, I mean, he's absolutely back to that RB one caliber. And um, right now, he is probably my RB1, maybe RB2, um, but I have him right up there with probably the next guy on your list, which is uh, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, uh, yeah. I I didn't include Christian McCaffrey this week. Isn't that fucked up? I just like... I mean, look at look at, look at at the team he's on. I mean, that's probably why. It's probably why you just overlook him. But, you know, once again, 22 points this past week. He's gone the last three weeks, 25, 23, and then 22 this past week. 15, 16, 13 the week before. So once again, very similar to Austin Eckler, where he's blown up the last three weeks and you're getting that RB1 return uh, on investment where you drafted him in that first round. Um, but yeah, I would I would say between those two, in my opinion, they're the number one and number two backs in fantasy right now. And I know Jonathan Taylor's coming back. I know that Henry was on a bye, but I still like those two. A lot of it has to do with their receiving ability as well. Like they get a lot of catches more so than Henry and Jonathan Taylor. And that's why I think I like them a little bit more, just because they're more versatile. When it comes to Austin Eckler, like, I'm totally with you. Like, top three back, lock it in for sure going forward. Definitely an argument for one. And I think it helps a lot that, and this is going to sound bad, but, like, it doesn't seem like Justin Herbert's at 100%. Like, I was concerned coming off that rib injury that, like, because I heard Matt Hasselbeck talk about, like, how he had that same injury and how it was, like, right. hard for him to throw the rest of the year. Like, you could tell there's a certain level of discomfort with Justin Herbert right now. I mean, we saw him throw almost 60 passes just like Matt Ryan last night, and they didn't all really look that great. So if I... Did you see this? Did you see the statistic with Herbert saying that it was the most passes ever without throwing a passing touchdown? Oh. And, and listen to this. So DraftKings had his odds to get a touchdown at minus 800, and they boosted it to plus 100, which is even odds. And it was the first time it was, he's thrown a touchdown in I think 37 of 38 games yep. that he started. And it was the first time in 26 straight starts 
uh, that he hasn't thrown for a passing touchdown. Absolutely ridiculous uh, that obviously the one-time DraftKings boosts their odds, uh, and, and that happens. I know obviously DraftKings was ecstatic about that, but um, yeah, tough luck for any any anybody that took that. No, I saw that too. Like it, it was literally Justin. Like they were like, I repeat. It has been boosted from minus 900 to plus 100. Like, wanting everybody to dive in for it. But DraftKings, man, they're elite. They're elite with the lines. But you mentioned CMC. The only thing that I think about with CMC, and this is kind of like icky tack, if you want to call it that. Um, I remember having Trent Richardson uh, at with the Browns, and he was dogging it out that year. Like, he was probably going to be a top five running back in fantasy. He gets traded to the Colts at the deadline, and he doesn't do jack shit for the rest of his career. Like, And everybody thought he was going to, to blow up when he went to the Colts. Everybody was like, oh, that's a great situation. Like, both parties are going to benefit, and, and you're right. He absolutely flopped. Yeah. I mean, that it's a name you haven't heard in a while, but, I mean, it kind of scares me. Like, if you end up on – if CMC ends up on a new team – Halfway through the season, his fantasy impact kind of scares me. But what are the chances that CMC gets traded? Probably twenty percent. So, yeah, I, you know, we talked about the the obvious fit in my opinion is the Bills, and we've talked about that as a possibility. And it would it, it absolutely would make make sense. But once again, if you throw him into that offense, it's just a new wrinkle that you're going to have to add. You know, where you've had. Diggs and Allen and even Singletary and Gabe Davis, but like you're, you're throwing another guy into this mix that hasn't really been there. And you wonder how that's going to end up working out and the chemistry and everything that goes into that. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that. You know, if the only thing that, that does scare me is, is him being traded and then being underutilized. The one destination that I would like a lot for him, and I've been preaching this from yeah. the Hills, dude, the 49ers would be so sexy. Like that Shanahan offense seems like, CMC would just slide in there like a hand in the glove. Seems like it would be perfect. But they don't want to commit to a guy. Jeff Wilson just scored negative one points, which we'll just dive into a little bit later. But, I mean, if a team, from a team that defines themselves by the running game, it'd be nice to have a CMC. So I'll just leave it at that. Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, move on from CMC and Eckler, and let's dive into the last couple running backs we got here. And I'll start off with Brees Hall, who puts up another 20 points. Uh, We talked about him last week. He's the RB1 in New York. Um, Top 10 back. Top 10 back, okay. Okay. Top 10 back. There's This this guy has come on the scene. This is why they use the second-round pick. And, man, the Jets look scary. The Jets look good. And, you know, he's getting his opportunities. I don't know how many points Michael Carter had this week, but I I know that he absolutely played second fiddle. And this wasn't the Jets' best offensive game either. It was nasty conditions. He really didn't get going until the second half, um, but was still able to get, I think, over 20 points. So I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to be depending on him and feeding him, and he's going to get all the opportunities in the world. Yeah, I mean, that was a lot of the thought process coming out. Um, he was the first running back drafted in the draft. Um, he was expected to do good things. He's big pass catcher coming out of Iowa State, and he's seeming like he's starting to put it together now, you know? So uh, next guy on the list is an interesting name. It is Kenyon Drake. He scored 20 points this week. 
uh, behind J.K. Dobbins, getting injured or re-aggravating his injury, however you want to put it. But I kind of like Kenyon Drake as a sneaky waiver wire pickup this week, man. See, I don't. Um, he's a guy that I'm probably going to avoid. I think that this was kind of a fluke. Um, I think he had two or he ten, 10 carries for 119 yards and uh, and a touchdown. He, he added in a couple catches, but I don't think that you're going to be seeing this every every single week from Kenyon Drake. I don't think that he might be a flex option, but the guy that I would target is Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is going to be coming back from the pup list. Um, he has, I think since he's entered the league, the second highest yards per carry average. Um, so I, I think there, and he's familiar with this Raven system as well. He's been there for multiple years. Um, and we've seen what, what the Ravens have done with him when he's been healthy. So I think Gus Edwards, in my opinion, is actually going to be the back to add. Will it be this week? He's supposed to come back this week. He might add a little bit this week, but I think that maybe two, three weeks down the road, he's going to be the guy that you want out of any of their backs in the Ravens backfield over Dobbins and over Drake. Hmm. I mean, I can I can agree that Dobbins is probably not the running back to roster at this point in the Ravens backfield. His health. Yes. He looked so bad coming out of in training camp. Like with the videos that were surfacing of him like doing jump cuts and like it looked like he was like hobbling and it looked bad. And he looked kind of electric in certain plays so far this year, but he just reaggravated his injury. It didn't look good coming into the year, so I'm buying out on J.K. Dobbins. Get get me out of that. But when it comes to Gus Edwards versus Kenyon Drake, I've I'm a fan of Gus the Bus, a guy out of Rutgers. Like he's a young back, he runs angry, all the things that you like to see in a running back. But has he really put it up? Has he really proved it? Because Kenyon Drake has. Kenyon Drake has done it before. Like he was. A primo guy going into free agency coming out of Miami two years ago. He had a fantastic year, especially in the receiving game. He goes to Arizona. He was expected to easily be the number one guy. And he shits the bet. Sucks in Arizona. And then... Chase Edmond took him over. Yeah. Sucks in Arizona. But this was a guy that was highly touted. going, And he kept... On the on his Instagram, he was like, or on his Twitter, he was like, guys, like fantasy managers, don't worry, like I'm coming back, like I'm still Kenyon Drake. Never came back, of course. Um, but then he went to the Raiders last year. Now he's with the Ravens. But my argument is that Kenyon Drake, we've seen it from him before. We've seen him him be very effective in fantasy at one point in time. I mean, we've seen it with Gus Edwards too, though. I mean, Gus Edwards unfortunately towards ACL. Going into last year, Gus Edwards was going to be, as soon as J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL, Gus Edwards was looking like he was going to be a, a top four round pick um, in, in a lot of fantasy drafts leading into the season. And then I think he either tore his ACL, Achilles, I can't remember. It was a season-ending injury that carried over into this year as well. I think that he comes back from this out, and I think I think he's going to, I'm telling you, I think he could be one of those waiver wire ads that ends up winning you your league. Mm, I like that. Like, I mean... I would agree as far as, like, potential. Like, you can... Okay. Gus Edwards is definitely a league winner. Like, I mean... It is It is. It is a crapshoot in the Ravens' backfield, though. I mean, between all three of them, they're all three going to get their opportunities. And, yeah, it's just going to be like, who's going to get the hot hand? That's what it's going to come down to. Right, exactly. All right, let's uh, talk about this last running back we got on the list, and that is Kenneth Walker putting up 19 points this week. 
um, in his first real game without Rashad Penny, and he scores 19 points. You gotta love it. Um, he's in comparison to a Brees Hall, probably not as good, but top 12 back. Top 12 back. Okay. I mean, he's gonna get the. Yeah, I don't. I want to say that he's not gonna get the receiving work, but he's gonna get the receiving work. He's a he's a he's a three down back that you can depend on to get you double digit points every single week. Especially, I never thought I'd say this going into the year, but especially in the Seattle offense where it's actually moving the ball left and right, it seems like. So, um, yeah, I love Kenneth Walker. Um, I mean, he was once again a, a high uh, drafted running back, and with like you said, Rashad Penny going down, those opportunities are going to be there. I don't see like a DJ Dallas or Travis Homer really jeopardizing uh, many points and taking them away from Kenneth Walker. So if you've been waiting on him, the time's here, the time's now. Kenneth Walker owners should be very happy. You're going to be able to start him as an RB2, maybe even RB1 in some weeks. Yeah, I mean, if you watch Kenneth Walker at Michigan State, you know he's special. Like, you know he's going to be a dog. Like, he was in seriously considered for the Heisman for a while last year. Like, he's an absolute beast. So, yeah, I feel good about Kenny Walker going forward for sure. And Seattle loves to run the ball. You know, like, Carroll praises it all the time. So they're going to run him into the ground. And that means good things for Kenneth Walker. So, all right, let's move on from the running backs and dive into some of the wide receiver studs from this week. And I start off with a guy who finally had his real breakout game of the season, and that is, you mentioned him earlier, Jamar Chase. He scores 34 points this week. Um, It's his first performance over 30 points so far this year. I saw a lot of those last year, but I'm going to say I don't – I wouldn't go out trying to buy Jamar Chase like he's going out of stock right now. Like – I think the league has had a decent amount of, like, they've had a whole year to adjust to him, and I know you can only do so much adjusting to one of the best wide receiver prospects of all time, but he is straight up just not as effective this year, and they have sort of kind of figured out that Jamar Chase game plan a little bit, it seems like to me. He just got through in a game. I mean, it's bound to happen every once in a while, but I think it's going to be a lot more fluky this year. I don't know if I'm calling Jamar bottom bottom of the top 10 in fantasy wide receivers. Well, the other thing to keep in mind with this game as well is that Marshawn Lattimore was out. So mm-hmm. he didn't have to go up against the best cornerback for the Saints, which obviously helped him out a ton in this game. I mean, you saw what Joe Burrow did, 400 yards and four total touchdowns. So obviously he's going to reap those benefits. The other thing, T. Higgins. T. Higgins has still been hurt. He's still been nursing this injury. And until he gets back to where he needs to be, yeah, Jamar Chase is going to continue to have these big games. But once T. Higgins comes back, I agree. I don't think that Jamar Chase is going to be able to put up these 30-point games because you're going to have him, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, P. Ryan, Hayden Hurst. There's so many targets to be spread around that Bengals offense. Yeah, and you already you just mentioned a guy that I think is going to be a lot more involved going forward, and that's Tyler Boyd. I mean, he was one of he was non-existent last year, but the year before that, he was probably the best slot receiver in the NFL. So, I mean, he has a year out because you have Jamar Chase, but now you're now people know who Jamar Chase is. So now it's going to be more opportunities for Tyler Boyd, like it already has this year. So I like Tyler Boyd going forward. 
Uh, next guy on the list is Stephon Diggs, putting up 31 points. Um, not much to say here, except he's probably outside of Cooper Cup. If you don't feel good about Matt Stafford, though, Stephon Diggs is probably the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, Jeff- Jefferson's still up there. I mean, yeah. Justin Jefferson's still putting up big games. Like, this week, Jefferson had... Um, I don't think he had, you know, his best game of the season by far, but he still put up 16.7 points. He had 10 catches or six catches for 107 yards. And that's a quiet day for Justin Jefferson. Um, so I still think he's up there. I agree with Cooper Cup. I still think Cooper Cup's that, that receiver. But I'm telling you what, man, I put I invested a lot in this Bills offense in my in my big league, in my college league. And I drafted Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, two out of my first four picks. And they have got me 60 points or 50 points combined or more. I think in almost every week this season, other than that, I think the Ravens game where it was, you know, raining the entire game, but Stefan Diggs just every single week continues to do it. And every, every year I feel like, you know, I brought up it after week one. I was like, why is this guy not in the top five receiver conversation? You know, we're talking about, Cooper Cup and Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Devontae Adams. And he and he's kind of the forgotten guy when it comes to the, that group. And it's like Jaden said, he doesn't do anything exceptionally well. Like he's not the best at the deep ball. He's not the best at routes. He's not the best with his hands, but he is in the top three of all three of those categories. And and I think that's why he gets overlooked. And yeah, I mean, if I would not trade him whatsoever, I would hold on to him near and dear to your heart. And, and I would continue to ride out this hot streak with him for sure. Hell yeah. I couldn't agree more. Hold on to Stefan Diggs if you can with dear life. But a guy that I think has an argument to be traded off at a sell high price, Tyreek Hill. He's, he scored 30 points this week. Two is coming back. So Tua's coming back means that Waddle's going to get more work. And Tyreek Hill will still be effective. But he has had, in the games without Tua, he has been the guy putting up like 10 catches and over 100 yards in each of those games, I believe. Um, He's not going to do that when Tua comes back. Waddle's going to be a lot more involved as he was earlier on in the season. Before Tua's injury, I would look to sell high on Tyreek Hill. What do you think? I, I still think Tyreek Hill is still going to get you double-digit points week in, week out. Yeah. Um, I think he's just matchup proof. Um, and, and I think that he can also be in that top five wide receiver conversation. Do I think that – I think, in my opinion, when Tua comes back, it's going to help Waddle more than it's going to hurt Tyreek, um, which is why I think that Tyreek's still going to be able to put up these numbers. Because what have they gotten out of their running back room? I mean, Mostert was a dud this week. Chase Edmonds has been non-existent. They're going to have to throw the ball. And if they're throwing the ball, those are the two guys they're going to be going to. I mean, I know Gasicki's there and Cedric Wilson. Is he? I haven't seen him at yeah, all this dude, year. I've, I've seen more Sherfield. I've seen Sherfield a lot more than I've seen Cedric Wilson. So those two guys are going to be the focal point of this offense, which is why I don't think he's going to take as big of a dip. That's fair. And I mean, Tyreek Hill always belongs in that top five conversation. I believe that he'll probably finish closer to top 10 going forward. Um, He's Tyreek Hill, but I talked about it a lot before the year. Like I didn't he's not the number one option in Kansas City, Tyreek Hill. He's like pretty close to Watt. like obviously Tyreek Hill's better probably better than Jalen Waddle, but they're pretty close talent wise. So I think they're gonna put up similar numbers. Tyreek Hill's gonna if you expect to get what Tyreek Hill has done for the past three weeks going forward, you're Sorely mistaken, in my opinion. That's why you can expect double-digit points going forward with Tyreek Hill for sure. I mean, it's Tyreek fucking Hill. But what he's been doing these past couple weeks, 
you can probably get solid return better than what yes. Tyreek Hill is going to be for the rest of the year. So, moving on, uh, somebody who finally had his breakout week, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, 28 points this week. I Brandon Ayuk is so fucking streaky. I'm not really taking much from this at all. Yeah, I agree with that. I still think Debo's the guy, and, and Kittle, they're, they're still working him back from that injury, and he will eventually get more involved. I think Ayuk is still... Um, you know, everybody talks about in the in the preseason about how Trey Lance loved Ayuk, but Garoppolo still likes him. I mean, he's not going to completely go away from him. I still think he's going to get you anywhere from like eight to eight to ten points every week. Um, but yeah, I I don't think you're going to have these blow up weeks like he just had this week with 28 points. I don't think you can bank on that. Yeah, I mean, we there was some faith when Trey Lance was potentially going to be the starting quarterback because we know that Jimmy G doesn't really like to throw to Brandon Ayuk a whole ton outside of the end of the year two years ago. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not I'm not going out and selling the farm for Brandon Ayuk. Sorry. Um, Michael Pittman, next guy on the list, he scored 26 points. We already talked about that. Um, if Matt Ryan throws, he's going to be throwing to Michael Pittman. So you can feel good about Michael Pittman getting consistent numbers going forward. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Scored his first fucking touchdown in 13 game, thirteen weeks, I believe, going back to regular season last year. Um, I was really angry at this because I made a conscious decision to start Isaiah McKenzie uh, over Juju. And that hurt me, man. It hurt me tough. But, I mean, Juju going forward, he doesn't seem like the number one guy for Patrick Mahomes. Like he does. Like Travis Kelsey's always going to be. Nobody is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, 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 n- n- none of the. And we've been waiting for a receiver to step up. And you know, Juju did this week, so credit to him. But like, really and truly, the receivers are definitely taking a back step to Kelsey. I mean, I don't think Valdez Scantling had a catch. He had three targets in this game. Um, I mean, Miko had a really good game. I will mm-hmm. give him credit as well. But yeah, you know, you're going to have that rotation that's just going to rotate targets week in and week out. Yeah, for sure. It's it, it's tough to make. Like, I really want to be like, oh, Juju's the wide receiver to roster in KC, but I can't say that with confidence, even after he puts up 25 points. Uh, last two wide receivers on the list that I'll run through real quick. Uh, Chase Claypool puts up 23 points, um, putting up his real first big game of the season. Um, you could take some stock in this because Kenny Pickett is now the starter, so he's going to be thrown to different options. Yeah. See, see, I, I still feel like Deontay and Pickens are both better options than Claypool moving forward on the Steelers offense when it comes to the wide receiver position. Um, so I, I, I don't take much into this. I mean, it's good to see if you're a Chase Claypool owner that he actually is alive and has a pulse um, when it comes to fantasy. But I, I don't think this is going to be something that's going to continue week in and week out. Yeah, because Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback, cannot support three fantasy effective wide receivers. You know, so you got to pick which guy's going to be effective. Most likely, De- Deontay will still be wide receiver two going forward. Of course, Pickett's is borderline flex, and then Claypool is bi week fill in, probably. So. Yep. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, last guy I'll mention, uh, he put up 21 points, and I mean, you have him as a part of your waiver wire segment. For sure. Yeah, I would absolutely add this guy this week. Um, you know, they spent a second round pick on a loaded wide receiver class to get him. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is that Kendrick Bourne left this game and is still injured. Um, so if he's out, that's going to only open up more targets 
or Tyquan Thornton. And I don't care if it's Zappy Hour or Mac Jones in at quarterback. I, I still like this guy moving forward. He's talented. He's better receiver than Devontae Parker um, and better than Nelson Aguilar, who's also dealing with a little bit of an injury of his own. So if the injuries are there, it's next man up. And, you know, this is a guy that, like I said, they, they spent some high draft capital on. So I think he's absolutely going to reap the benefits here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been injured so far this year, hasn't had an opportunity to bust onto the scene. Um, I I really think that Belichick is strongly determined not to strike out on another early draft pick at the wide receiver position. So he's going to do everything in his power to make Tyquan Thornton work. And it seems like it's working well so far. So yeah, Tyquan Thornton definitely got a roster. One of the fastest guys coming out of the class this year. So um, for your random good tight end performances this week, we have Mike Jasicki putting up 25 points this week and Robert Tanyan putting up 19 points. Um, I say that because we've been talking about it all year. Tight ends, they're just going to be fluky as fuck, man. I mean, these are two, Jasicki and Tanyan, these are two tight ends that I feel comfortable rostering in 10-team leagues and starting probably. Um, but, I mean, you're going to get probably less than 10 points every single week, but they're going to be on the field. So, you start them. Yeah, and... and- and you're going to have the red zone looks, and that's what it comes down to, is if you can get a touchdown from your tight end, that's that's all that you're hoping for, unless it's Kelsey and um, Kelsey and Andrews and Kittle. I'll throw Kittle into that category. He had a top five tight end week this week as well. So I'll throw him in there. One guy I kind of want to look at, if if you're looking at the waiver wire, is Dalton Schultz was scratched again this past week, and Jake Ferguson might be a guy to look at on the waiver wire if you're desperate for a tight end. Um He's had, I think, two or three straight weeks of, of pretty, excuse me, he had this week and then he had two weeks before, three weeks before that, that he had a decent game as well. Um, but he gets targets. He's getting the snap work. If you're desperate for a tight end, look for Jake Ferguson as an option. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, tight end is a dart throw, man. Might as well take as many. And then also another guy, possibly Dulcich. Definitely. Dulcich, yeah. Dulcich, dude. I saw a guy that uh, bet his first touchdown, first touchdown of the game prop at 42 to one odds. And he was, he put out a TikTok about it. And then he, he tweeted about it as well and posted his bet slip of, he put $400 to win 17,000 on him to score the first touchdown. And it hit, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, that's that guy just, he's looking into the future, I guess. But I don't think that Dolchich is something that's going to be continued. I don't trust anybody on this fricking Broncos offense right now, man. That's, that's an absolute shamble. Yeah, I know. I mean, we didn't... Okay, cool. Um, But we didn't know who the tight end was going to be in Denver this year. Albert O was getting a lot of talk, but Russell Wilson never really has utilized a tight end before in his life. So I would not expect good things from Greg Dulcich going forward. Greg Dulcich um, at UCLA product, right? One of the better tight end prospects coming out this year. Um, But... As far as the offense he's in, I, I can't trust on it consistently. So I will say that Dulcich is probably the tight end to roster in Denver. Alberto is probably dead. So Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. So that does it for the duds of this week in fantasy. Or studs. Studs. Yes, the studs, the good guys this week in fantasy. But let's dive into the stinkers, and that is the duds of fantasy this week. And I start out with an interesting name, and that is somebody we've already talked about a little bit, and it's Justin Herbert. But I'm nine points this week. 
He did look good for the several weeks coming off of the rib injury, but the buck kind of stopped here. What what are your I, I don't know. I don't know cuz we have seen Justin Herbert play well since coming back from the ribs, but he doesn't seem completely like Justin Herbert like He's a starting quarterback in fantasy, in my opinion, but is he? He's probably not going to finish in that top five. Um, I want to go ahead and put this on the record. This Denver defense is freaking good, man. I think that that had an absolute effect um, on him. I think Browning was in his face all all game long, and also came up with the inter- an interception on him as well. Um, but you know, Pat Sertain, we've talked about him enough and I, I think he's the best cornerback in football right now. He's playing like it at least. Uh, I think Mike Williams had what two catches last night and he might be on your, on the dud section as well. But yeah, uh, this Denver defense, I think is something as to why, you know, they're why, why he struggled as much as he did was due to that Denver defense. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know why I'm so freaked out about these ribs. Literally what Matt Hasselbeck said to me scared me to death um and i traded him in my fantasy league that i had him in (laughs) right after i heard that and he has been i don't know i feel like this means more about the Chargers going forward than justin herbert because justin herbert's going to be justin herbert but all right let's dive into the next guy and that is aaron Rodgers, putting up 10 points this week i don't think that aaron Rodgers is rosterable in fantasy going forward dude unless it's a bi-week fill-in yeah, I mean, they've got to figure out something with the wide receivers. Um, I mean, this game, it was bad weather, so I guess I can give him the benefit of the doubt. But, like, he has not been good all year. I think has he, he hasn't had one week over 20 points already this year. So, um, I, yeah, if you've got other options, I would definitely go after other options over Aaron Rodgers because it's just not a pretty situation right now in Green Bay. Let's play a name game real quick. Gino. In fantasy? Yes. Um, probably Gino. Yeah, uh, Kirk Cousins. I'm biased, but I'm going to go with Cousins. Even, but Cousins is on a buy this week. But yeah, I would go with Cousins right now in, in fantasy. Hmm. How about some of those? Now, and I know we might get into him, but Russell Wilson, I'd probably go Rodgers over Russell Wilson. Uh, I wouldn't because of Russell Wilson's rushing ability. I mean, he hasn't really shown it so far this year, but I mean, Ross can rush. So, I mean, I imagine that he's going to do it at some point. Aaron Rodgers can't do that. I'd, I'd probably take Matt Stafford over Rodgers, but that's only because yeah. of Cooper Cup. It's close. Like, I'm Tom Brady. I'm probably taking Tom Brady easily Brady. over yeah. Aaron Rodgers just because of the weapons. I mean, it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault, really. I mean, it's just the guys that he's thrown to. I mean, this is an offense that so far this year has been more run-based, and it makes a lot of sense. Like, you have... A.J. Dillon, who's performed really well in the first three years of his career. And then you've got Aaron Jones, who's been one of your stars in Green Bay. So you're relying on the running game in one of Aaron Rodgers' later years without any weapons really to throw to. It makes sense as far as the Packers' offense go. It goes, but it does not mean good things for Aaron Rodgers going forward. So uh, another guy that kind of had a dud this week, not really uh well, it is a dud compared to what he's been doing. 12 points for Geno Smith. I'm not concerned, really, going forward for Geno. I mean, he's looked really good, and I'd probably still roster him over a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I would. I would take him over Rodgers. Yeah, for sure. It's close. But 
Uh, Tom Brady also put up a dud this week with 13 points. I mean, he's been putting up duds and duds as the season goes along. Maybe I, this isn't the Tom Brady that we're used to or even the Tom Brady from last year, but with the guys that he has to throw to, you can't jump shit. I'm I'm jumping ship on no. Aaron Rodgers. I'm not jumping ship on Tom Brady. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm not I'm not jumping off the, the Tom Brady boat yet, just yet. Yeah, for sure. He was on uh he was on the Let's Go podcast today talking about how uh the season feels like deployment for the military. And I don't know if that'll go over too well with certain crowds. Yeah, but you know, these guys have gotta realize some of these younger guys that like it's Tom it's Tom fucking Brady. Like you're gonna listen to what he's gonna say, whether or not he's screaming at you or telling it in a calm manner, but yeah. Exactly. He's more qualified than any coach that you have on the sidelines, most likely. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm still rostering Tom Brady going forward. Matthew Stafford puts up another dud, 13 points. I don't want Matthew Stafford anywhere near my roster unless it's a two quarterback yep. league and he's my second quarterback. Yeah, I would agree with it. Yeah, he's been dog shit terrible. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Cooper Cup is the guy in that offense, and when he doesn't catch the ball, nothing's happening. Uh, Although Allen Robinson did break through this week. He did. Scored a touchdown. Interesting to see. Uh, I, I mean, I literally raised my hands up in the air. I don't have Allen Robinson on any of my teams or Matthew Stafford, but I was, like, excited that Allen Robinson finally did something. Finally. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. All right, let's dive into the running back duds of the week, and I mentioned him earlier. Jeff Wilson put up a stinky negative one points. If you and your home leagues can look to pawn Jeff Wilson off on somebody that doesn't know that Elijah Mitchell's going to be back. I would try to do that at this point. Um, if you're not in a home league and everybody knows that Elijah Mitchell's going to be back at some point, I would hold on to him uh, just because he is going to be the number one back in San Fran until Elijah Mitchell gets back. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't... It's, it's just tough to trust a running back in the San Fran offense. Um, you know, Ty Davis-Price is had an injured ankle. He might be coming back. Tevin Coleman's getting some carries right now as well. He's kind of come back from the dead. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. Elijah Mitchell is going to come back off IR here in the next week or two. So when that happens, I, I would imagine he's going to take over those duties and Jeff Wilson's just going to be using up roster space at this point. Yep. Next guy on the list. And he was visibly upset last night, liked a lot of, uh, a lot of tweets relating to his playing time after the game. And that is Melvin Gordon, who scored one point after he was expected to be the guy after Javante is now out for the year. I have no clue what to think of this. Like, I Yeah, I mean, it's probably Latavius, uh, I guess, because Mike Boone is just not a running, running back, as weird as that might sound, but he's more in there for the receiving game. He's not going to be a three down. He's not going to carry the ball, you know, 15, 20 times a game. So I think Latavius is actually going to get the work. Um, if, if Melvin's not in, in the game, I don't know. I'd probably, if I had a Melvin Gordon, I'd probably bench him this week and at least wait and see. I don't know if I'd drop him just yet because the running back position is so scarce, especially with bye weeks, um, that you might have to utilize him or use him in your lineup, but it's just not a good situation. You're right. If you can avoid it, I would at all costs. Yeah, I mean, I'm less drastic, I feel like, than you. I'm probably still holding on to Melvin Gordon with thoughts that he's probably going to be the number one running back. 
I doubt, like, Latavius and Mike Boone, I don't know how they were getting, I think it's just that Nathaniel Hackett's a fucking idiot. Like, once he realizes that, I mean, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. I still want to believe that Melvin Gordon's probably the best option to roster in Denver right now. So, it's, it's hard, yeah. though. It's I mean, I, I guess I'd probably say that, but, like, I don't know. I, I like I said, I probably wouldn't roster anybody from this from this receiving room because none of them have shown anything. Mm-mm. Nope. Uh, all right, let's move on. Um, Cream Hunt had one point. Not really much to talk about there. We were not going to really know what this offense looks like until Deshaun gets back. Uh, J.K. Dobbins already talked about him. He put up two points after re-aggravating his injury. Don't feel good about him going forward. Um, definitely still rostering him, but probably leaning towards Gus Edwards or Kenny Drake the rest of the year. Um, CEH, that's one guy I want to talk about a little bit. Three points. You missed the boat if you were looking to sell high on CEH. I still have faith in him, though, overall going forward in the season. I just don't know who else is going to replace him because, like, Pacheco's had his moments, but not really, and McKinnon... He's he's there for more of the receiving ability, uh, more so than rushing ability. So I don't, I yeah, I once again it's a backfield to avoid, and there's multiple backfields like this in fantasy this year. And yeah, I, I agree. I don't, you're not going to see these double digit continuous weeks for Ceh. You're going to see more on the six seven type type of weeks range. He's in that he's in that Ezekiel Elliott sphere where it's like. You might if you get a touchdown, you're gonna get double digit points. If you don't get a touchdown, you're not getting double digit points. Yeah, exactly. It uh, looks like they're involving him more in the receiving game this year, which was expected out of college. He was one of the best receiving backs coming out of LSU. Um, so it's just Ceh though. Like so far, I mean, it's been terrible. Pacheco, I do like Pacheco a lot, especially at dynasty league. So he's villain in a fucking dynasty league. Co grab him immediately, but. Uh, I'll kind of group these two together. Chase Edmonds and Raheem Moster. Edmonds with five, Moster with six. You can't roster either of these guys now because Tua's coming back. And if they were going to do anything, they were going to do it in the weeks that Tua wasn't in. They didn't do jack shit. Yeah, I, we touched on this earlier, and I I don't trust you. Once again, another backfield that I just don't trust anybody in, in the backfield. And I guess if you're going to choose one, maybe Mostert, just because of the familiarity between Mike McDaniel and him. But, yeah, I it, it's a situation to avoid once again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tyler Algier, he scored five points. Um, you can pretty much give up on him. Uh, Cordell's going to come back off IR, and he's going to easily supplant him. It seems like it's a running back by committee now in Atlanta. Um, but let's move on to the wide receivers. And I start out with a guy we already mentioned. And that is MVS Marquez Valdez Scantling, who scored zero points. Probably, probably not rosterable right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he he was an idea for this week, mostly just because it was bye week, um, and also because you're like, okay, well they're going against the Bills. This should be a high scoring game. He's going to get plenty of looks, and that didn't happen. He had three targets. He did have a touchdown that ended up getting called back because of a, an eligible man downfield. It was a nice, it was an awesome throw by Mahomes. Where he threw it like sidearm right in there past the defender, but ended up coming back um, because of a penalty. But other than that, yeah, he was non-existent in this game. Yeah, I mean, guy that looked, you already mentioned it, Miko looked really good last night. I think Miko can finally catch footballs. So if you're going to roster anybody, it's Juju, and then it's me, Cole, and then if you're desperate, MBS. 
Uh, moving on down the list, um, Garrett Wilson put up two points this week. I mean, he's been good so far this year. I can't really read much into it, especially considering that Elijah Moore got zero targets in this game. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Elijah Moore, you can probably drop Elijah Moore. Garrett Wilson, you're still going to hold on to, but there have been the past couple of weeks that haven't been so good. He's gone six, five, and one Ooh. last three weeks, so he's definitely trending downward. I don't know, because I just feel like it's so much of a run-heavy offense with Brees Hall, and, and I know Michael Carter a little bit. Um, but, you know, you're, you're going to have these weeks with Garrett Wilson. I still think he is in that wide receiver three flex category, though. Um, because there are the weeks that he's going to put up anywhere from 12 to 20 points. So, yeah, I think I think you're still safe to start him. Yeah, purely based on talent, you've got to start him for sure. Yeah. Um, Another guy that had a disappointing week, Curtis Samuel, scored three points. This is the finally the week that Terry scored more points than Curtis Samuel. Uh, you were adamant on the argument that Curtis was the guy this year. Terry got more looks in the game against the Bears. Um. First week all year? Yeah, first week all year, man. I still think Curtis Samuel is going to add value to your fantasy team. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you're going to be able to have him in that wide receiver three group, whereas I think he'll be maybe on that flex radar um, more so than wide receiver three. I would absolutely start Garrett Wilson over Curtis Samuel, but like, you know, if you're desperate, especially with bye weeks, I would I would probably start Curtis Samuel. Yeah, also, I mean, you got to look at the quarterback change. Like, what's that going to do to Curtis yeah. Samuel? Like, I mean, I, I don't know, because – Historically, Heineke goes to McLaurin pretty consistently. So we'll see how it goes with Curtis Samuel. Uh, I mentioned him earlier. Isaiah McKenzie scores three points. Um, I'm kind of scared. Not really. It looked like Isaiah McKenzie, they made it a point to get him the ball early. It looked like that was their game plan early on. Uh, but he made he dropped a – Josh Allen tosses it, and it hits off his fucking dome because he's not paying attention. And then, yeah. Fumble. I mean, it was a fumble considered by Josh Allen, but it was totally Isaiah McKenzie's fault. And then he hits the slant into the end zone, trips on his own feet, hits him into the fucking numbers, and he drops it. Like, And then he doesn't really see that much of a look the rest of the game. So he's in the doghouse right now um, after that performance. But uh, I like him going forward overall. He's too talented. Yeah, I, I still think that he's going to be incorporated in, into this offense and he's going to get the looks, which is why you're still going to roster him. He could be a wide receiver three or flex play going forward. Uh, between him and Garrett Wilson, I'd probably mm. go Garrett Wilson. I'm going but, McKenzie. Um, it's it's yeah, close. It's, it's close. I'd probably go McKenzie just because of the offense that he's on and the guy throwing in the ball. Uh, Corlin Sutton also had a doozy this week. Three points. Um I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with any of these Denver wide receivers. Really sucks if you spent the capital on them in the draft. Um, they're going to be wide receiver twos, flex plays going forward. Jerry, Ju- Corlin Sutton is the guy. Over I will. S- yes, and that's what I was going to say is I would take Cortland Sutton. And this is actually, believe it or not, the first week that Cortland Sutton in one-point PPR leagues has put up less than 10 points. So he's had double-digit points every single week except mm-hmm for this week so i think this is more of an anomaly um and then moving forward i would absolutely have him and i think he's going to be a wide receiver too he's got a very favorable schedule after the bye as well he plays the likes of tennessee carolina baltimore kansas city um so he's going to have arizona he's going to have opportunities to to have bigger um, bigger nights than he had this past week looking schedule that you just read down there so yeah Cortland sutton stock on the way up for the rest of the year 
Uh, Mike Williams, we mentioned it earlier, he had four points, but that was strictly due to Patrick Sertain. I mean, we spent like six minutes talking about him in Engage A today. I mean, he's like the best cornerback in football you mentioned it already, and it's pretty much undebatable. He's locking people up, dude. Yep. Yeah. Nothing else needs to be said. Uh, DK Metcalf, he scores five points. Um, not taking too much into this. It's going to be DK or it's going to be Tyler. Yeah, Lockett only had three points and DK only had five. And Gino, I think, had a, a pretty dud of a week as well. So it was just an overall bad game. But I would probably still take DK over yeah, Lockett probably, moving forward. Probably. Tyler has been a little bit better overall this year. Um, DK's just recently starting to come onto the scene as far as this year goes. Um, but... Yeah, I would probably still roster DK, especially considering they just gave him that contract. Uh, Dallas Goddard, as we move on to the tight ends, he scored four points this week. Not too concerned with that. I mean, you're going to get these kinds of performances from the top tight ends. It is what it is, unless it's Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. Uh, Yeah, I was going to... Where else are you going to go um, if you've got him and you're, and you're starting him? Uh, I don't think there's much else that you can go and get on the waiver wire. The one guy I would look for is Otten in Tampa Bay with Cameron Brake and Hurt. Kate Otten played 96% of the snaps this past week. Um, so he's on the field. He's going to get opportunities. It is a pass. Excuse me, pass heavy offense as well. And I know there's a lot of targets to be spread, but if you're looking for a flyer on a tight end, he's another yeah, guy. I'd look a to, flyer uh, that we mentioned last well. week that didn't do so hot this week, Hayden Hurst. He rounds out the list of duds this week at five points. But overall, I mean, you're just going to get duds from tight ends outside of Andrews and Kelsey. You feel good about Hayden Hurst in even an 18 league going forward as your tight end. So. All right, man, that does it for studs and duds for the week. So, to round us out, let's dive into some uh, recipes and takeaways, shall we? All right, man. So, I'll go ahead and lead us off. Uh, My first takeaway from this past week of NFL action is all of Lamar's contract, dude. How does this Ravens season affect Lamar's contract? So, the Ravens are currently sitting at 3-3. Three and three. They're leading the AFC North, but they just came off against a loss to the Giants at MetLife. Uh, Lamar threw an unnecessary desperation pick um, that, put the, that put the Giants in position to score the game-winning touchdown. That's the Ravens' third-blown double-digit lead so far this year. Um, They have allowed the fifth most passing yards in the league. And doing that, that changes the game script, you know. Like, that causes the Ravens, a traditionally run-heavy team, to start throwing more. That causes Lamar to start throwing more to guys that aren't really existent. I mean, you got Bateman, it's like Duvernay, and you just saw Deshaun Jackson today. Bateman... Bateman, I mean, Bateman hasn't played in like the last three weeks. Uh, I have him and Michael Thomas, and both of those guys have have not played, it seems like, in a a month. Um, But yeah, outside of that, it's like you said, Duvernay, I guess Prochet's there, I guess Tylen Wallace is there, but like, yeah, for sure. It's it's not Lamar's fault, but when when they're giving up the fifth most passing yards in the league, you're forced to throw the ball. And when you're throwing for the likes of what Lamar's got available to him, it's not going to make him look too great. And that really sucks because it is Lamar's contract year. 
And Lamar's an awesome dude, and he's always seemed to put the team first. And I'm wondering, with him negotiating his own contract, if the Ravens continue to struggle and Lamar feels like it's his job to put the team on the back and maybe he strikes out, maybe he starts to play more careless the rest of the year, as we saw at the end of the Giants game. I mean, the Ravens are still leading the division, so it's not really time to hit the panic button yet, but he could put the team first, could start to be playing shitty, could cause his contract decrease, and if the Ravens don't make the playoffs this year, there's really a solid chance they just give up on Lamar because of the contract. I mean, in 2019, they were a first-round exit. 2020, second-round exit. 2021, second-round exit. Last year, didn't make the playoffs. You can't, that, you've got to have some success there. I mean, that's four years of making the playoffs and two early-round exits, you know? Like, you got to make it at least to the AFC Championship game there in those four years. That's disappointing for the Ravens. So, I feel like Lamar is leaning towards heading out of town now. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this about the Ravens. I mean, this team could be 6-0. Like, it really and truly could be. The the balloon lead to the Dolphins, the Bills, and now the Giants is obviously worrisome. I look at it on a different end of the spectrum of test. You know, you're facing this adversity in October, which can be good for teams because it's not like you're getting blown out. It's not like you've got serious problems. You just got to learn how to close. And I think that the, these the adversity that they're facing now could come at could come back into play in December in a positive sense, and show that they can end up closing some of these games. So I wouldn't panic whatsoever. Now I think you still got a great team. You got a great roster. Obviously the receiver position is a little worrisome, um, but as long as you keep everybody in the locker room together, you're going to be able to win this division, and you could still make some but noise don't make in the, the AFC. Also, like I mean, do you think it's time to hit the rebuild button? Possibly in Baltimore. I mean, it's been a while. Well, I don't know because it's 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 going to depend on the contract that Lamar's going to want because obviously it's going to be less of a contract than he could have gotten probably going into this season. Um, so it depends on what kind I of contract he demands. I also just see that like Harbaugh's leaning towards getting fired now at the end of the year. So like, if you're going to fire Harbaugh after all these years, I mean, hit the whole fucking red button and start over. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is an interesting conversation for sure. Um, if they decide, but this is all hypothetical in, into them not making the playoffs, and I still think they're in really yeah, good shape yeah, to make the playoffs. True. All right, you uh, you want to go ahead with your takeaway, my brother? Yeah, I've got one real quick, um, and it's going to be a biased one, but uh, the Vikings have played in 18 one-score games since the beginning of 2021. They're 4-0. and in these games this year, whereas they were six and eight in one score games last year. I know some of it is law of averages, but you got to give some of this credit to Kevin O'Connell. There's a lot of credit that's being given to Brian Dable for the Giants five and one start. And, and rightfully so, you know, I'm not taking anything away from that. And I think Brian Dable is an incredible coach, but Kevin O'Connell has brought kind of a winning culture with him from Los Angeles to Minnesota and you you notice the chemistry that he has with Kirk that dates back to his days as a quarterback coach in Washington with Kirk, and and it's blossomed so far. Um, you know, Kirk's had a couple game winning drives when they've needed it down the stretch. Um, and I know the Vikings have a ton of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, but 
I look at Kevin O'Connell as being a home run hire right now. What this team is doing, they're two games up on the Packers in the division. They've already beaten the Packers. They're 3-0 and in the NFC North. I know they had the hiccup against Philly. Philly's undefeated. I can't beat them up too much for that. Um, I think this team is the real deal. I know that they've got some holes on, on defense, and you know that can be a problem later on, but they do have studs on defense. Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, Eric Hendricks, Patrick Peterson, Cam Dancer is showing out this year as well. I think that there's got to be a lot of credit given to Kevin O'Connell, and it's flying yeah, completely no, under the sure. radar and right it's now. It's always because, I mean, the Vikings are generally hated on across the league, it feels like. You know, like they're one of the less, yeah, one of the less noticed. Just teams, overlooked. Especially considering that the Packers have owned the NFC North for so long. So, uh, I got one last takeaway uh, going into um, this week, and that is... It looks like we could possibly be seeing the last seasons from both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, dude. Both these guys have had disappointing starts to the season. Um, let's start with Aaron Rodgers. Packers are 3-3 three and three right now with losses to the Vikings, the Giants, and the Jets. Uh, they're two games out of first in the NFC North behind the Vikings. They have now a 44% chance to make the playoffs, according to Football Outsiders. Aaron Rodgers is 24th in QBR, and he has an opt-out after this year. I can't imagine that Aaron Rodgers, after coming off of two MVP seasons, is going to want to stick around for another year with this shit show of an offense they got going on in Green Bay. Um, this is the worst start of Matt LaFleur's tenure in Green Bay, so it seems like the perfect time for Aaron Rodgers to make an exit. Another perfect guy, or another guy who made his exit, came back, and is looking to make his exit once again, and it was pretty set in stone that this would probably be his last season anyway, but Brady's definitely done. Um, he was talking about today, I mentioned it earlier, about how the NFL season feels like military deployment, and that that is like, once you hear that from a quarterback, obviously he's going through one hell of a grind. I can see the comparison he's making, but fuck, dude, like, have some common sense. Uh, the Bucks are three and three right now, with losses to the Packers, Chiefs, and Steelers. They are first in the NFC South in such a shitty division. They have the tiebreaker over the Falcons, eighty percent chance to make the playoffs according to Football Outsiders. But they're probably getting knocked in the first round with how they're playing right now. So sign a one-year deal coming out of retirement. He's done after this year, and it's kind of just taking in. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, one thing um, that I'll touch on really quickly before we before we do head off um, is looking at the next four to five weeks. The Giants could be nine and one. The Giants have the Jags, the Seahawks, the Texans, and the Lions with a buy sandwich in between there, and then they play the Cowboys after that. And they have, I think it's Cowboys, Washington, Philly, Washington, in four games after that. But going into that date in Dallas, they could beat the Jags. They could beat the Seahawks. They're home against the Texans and they're home against the Lions. They're all winnable games. They might be favored in all of those games. Maybe not in Seattle. Maybe they'll be like a pick em or, or one or two point dog. But the Giants are a team that I would absolutely look out for as a, a team that can make the playoffs in the NFC and, and maybe even win this division. Yeah, I mean, Wink is going to keep those games close, not high scoring, and you can win those games, you know. Like, as long as the defense can do their job. And Wink has played or coached spectacularly so far this year, leading a Giants defense who was pretty bad last year to 
one of the best in football at the moment. Yep, absolutely, I'd agree. All right, man. Well, that just about does it for our studs and duds and takeaways episode for the week. Um, right after this, we're going to be uh, recording our Power Rankings episode, which has become a fan favorite of sorts. So look forward to this episode coming out. This will be out before the Power Rankings episode. But also keep an eye out for the Power Rankings. So without further ado, catch you guys later. Peace.